I'm going to take you to court today. Um, I'm just going to kind of introduce this and pretend like you're in court. And, uh, and then we'll move into a, a section where it's kind of technical stuff, technical information from the Bible. But, you know, when you go to court and you got all the forensics, there's a lot of technicalities, right? So you just have to trudge with me through that. Uh, but I think you'll like that kind of stuff. And then at the end, we'll see how this all applies to us all and how it is um, so very good for us. So you could maybe, uh, you can pretend you're just going to go to court today, all right? Um, We've been talking a little bit about change in the recent sermons and how much more could you find change than in the idea of being justified by Jesus. So that's going to be the topic of our day, justification. So think to yourself, you are going to court and you are dreading the day and you are just hoping for the best possible outcomes, hoping that by miracle of God, a lesser sentence than what maybe kind of your advocate has told you would be there. Hope and hope and hope and And then at the end of the day, you hear a full acquittal. Great day, right? Christina and I have known a couple people that have had their day here just recently. And I I, uh, texted the guy and I said, hey, how how did things go today? And he said, well, I I don't know for sure. I still got to wait for all the paperwork from my lawyer. That just makes for great days, doesn't it? But I had to plead guilty to one so that I could get off of the other. So I don't even fully know how things went for him or what probation or what at all is going to happen. And then we had another person that is going to go away for a little bit and got a call. And, and uh, oh, I hate it here. People are so rude here. And I just, I'll never want to come here again. And, you know, I've got into a Bible study and I'm hanging around the people that are, are more positive And, you know, I'm just a nice little repentive turnaround in that person's voice. And it's great to see the changes that that person is making in their thinking because of a sentence that was handed down. Um, okay, so for you today, full acquittal. I wish we could just put yourself into an actual situation where you were in court and, and the stress was heavy upon you and then came the full acquittal and the amount of joy that would happen because of that. So court today, an announcement that you do not have to pay any penalty, full acquittal. That pronouncement comes from God. Obviously guilty for breaking God's law. So this word justification then is the word that we use for this idea of our sins being forgiven and that we don't need to pay the penalty for them. Just let it soak in. Let's use O.J. as an example, all right? (laughs) I think O.J. showed up in church sermons plenty of times, but I'm just going to give it one more try (laughs) because I think he's a good example. Obviously guilty, right? Obviously guilty. Um, 
of course, innocent until proven guilty. But if the glove don't fit, you must acquit, right? That's the deal with OJ. But even if the glove had holes that matched the wounds on OJ's hand, (laughs) and even though you had the police chase on all the news channels, why do you run if you're innocent, right? Even if, even if, even if, even if everybody in their brother and Davy Crockett knows that you are guilty, he got off. That's you. It's good. Certainly good for OJ. But what, what did you think when it happened? Was that just? Christ died for you to justify you, to justify the ungodly, to acquit the guilty. Is that just? Was it just for, what'd you think about OJ? Did you lose, did the court system lose credibility in your eyes? Did the thought, well, he's just got more money, he's got enough money to make it happen? Did that cross your mind? Was it just? Romans three twenty five. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice. Because in his forbearance, he did something that seemed unjust. He left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He presented him as a sacrifice atonement. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time because the sins beforehand went unpunished. So he did this to present himself as just. So as to be just... And also the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So this is a situation with OJ. God is the jury. He says, okay, everybody knows OJ is guilty, yet we're going to let him go unpunished. However, someone needs to pay the punishment for the murder. Any takers? Who's it going to be? For you and I, obviously guilty, that substitute was Jesus. He was punished. He was put to death for the punishment that we deserved. God's wrath directed towards us was set aside. We were acquitted as sinners, acquitted as sinners. We were let go and unpunished as lawbreakers. And it was poured out on Jesus Christ. So God was just. There was punishment. But oddly and uniquely, God was also the justifier in that he was the one himself who took the punishment. Just and justifier. Now when we bring up the wrath of God, everybody gets a little bit squeamish, I know that. Well, that's the Old Testament God. Wait a second. We just talked about sins beforehand left unpunished. So that's an Old Testament God that's not a wrathful God or it's proof 
that it's not wrathful. Now, he was full of wrath back then. You know what? He's still full of wrath today. But he left sins unpunished back then, and he still leaves sins unpunished today. Your sins, however, he is just in that at this present time, at the writing of Romans, at the present time, Jesus came forward and took it all for them back then, took it all for us today. That's pretty good, huh? It's important that every person on earth come to the point one time in their life significantly that they fully recognize the gravity of their sin and to fear what God would do to them if it remained unforgiven. Have you come to that point? One time significantly we need to come to that point, but we probably need to eat a small little piece of humble pie on that one every morning to get our day started right. Does that sound like condemnation? No, it's just appreciation for what he has done. God is holding his son that he loves in his one hand, and at the same time he's looking at you and I saying, my son went down for you one time already. Don't make him do it again. Don't pour contempt on me that way because we already did our part in this deal. And if you don't appreciate that correctly, then you're in a sense crucifying him all over again. And I'm going to be forced to honor my son in that situation. Because in the situation beforehand that I initiated, I honored you over my son. If you take that for granted, I I, got to have healthy boundaries and I'm not going to do that again. You shouldn't require me to do that again. Don't take advantage of it like that. Don't tread on my son. Don't go to war with me. I will uphold my son, whom I love. If you still think it's okay and that sin is no big deal, then why did we need him to send his son in the first place? It is a big deal. Why would he give up his son to justify you? To declare you righteous. To declare that you do not have to pay any punishment. All right, so having agreed that we desperately need this Savior to forgive my sins, to get that acquittal, how then do I go about this on my part to accept it and walk the steps of it? Well, it's really easy. You just obey every part and participle and jot and tittle of the law, and the law itself justifies or declares you no punishment. You didn't break any law. There's no punishment for you to bear. Easy, right? <laughs> Only one person has ever done that. Jesus became the perfect lamb. And so he sac- it was sacrificed for you and I to have our sins cleansed by that blood for the full acquittal. Um, how then, since we are guilty, since we are OJs, how are we able to stand in front of him and not bear that, bear that punishment? How are we justified biblically? Okay, so 
This is the part where you trudge with me a little bit, okay? So this is court terms. Justification is a declaration about you. And so when you get into the forensic stuff like that, you get into judicial law. You know, I know you're not a lawyer, but I know you've seen them on TV, right? So you can be your advocate today, all right? Let's go through some of the technical jargon here, the law jargon, and then we'll see how that all applies to us, okay? So you got your bulletin. There's a place for you to write um, some notes there. Why don't you get that out real quick? And we'll go down through these and we'll see this thing called biblical justification, how it's done and all the components therein. Here we go. First of all, we are justified by our faith. Galatians 2, amongst a hundred other verses that, that, support, that say this, say, we know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ that we may be declared no punishment by our faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will ever be justified. With the exception, of course, of Jesus. So we are justified by our faith and not by observing the law. This is some good news for you, okay? You couldn't have been able to do it by the law, so that's good. Whew. Saved from that. Now we have a different option. It's called faith. I can do that one. I can do that one. Justified by faith. The next one is belief. You can write that down, and you can just write Acts 13, 39. It says, through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. That's what Luke writes in the book of Acts. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. So belief. This is a mental ascent that there is a God and that his son came down and did what he did and you and I put our belief in it that it was true. And that truth has a measure of setting us free. Not just judicially, but in a whole hundred other things. Belief. God is there, sent his son, and these facts actually happened. Faith, belief, the next one is grace. Romans 3, 23 and 24, you can write that. For all have sinned. Everybody's an OJ. And all fall short of the glory of God and his standards in the law, I would add. And he says this, Paul. And they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. So you are justified freely Wow, wow. You don't have to do anything. It's free, but it's through what came by Jesus Christ and everything that he did. That ain't free on God's account, but for you, yes, it is. Grace. None of this would have happened. None of it if it wasn't for God's grace. And I know most of you are familiar. Grace is God's favor towards you that is unmerited. You didn't deserve it. You are justified by his grace and you did not deserve that, friend. 
The next thing, we are justified by God himself. This is Romans 3.26. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. So we are justified because of what God has done so that God wanted to be just, wanted to be the justifier. He is the justifier. He's the one that makes the pronouncement. And who else would you rather have make the pronouncement than him? I, the Lord, have spoken. The next one you can write, we are justified through Christ. This is a pretty simple one. Romans 4.25, he was delivered over to death. That's punishment that you and I should have had for our sins. I'm going to start it over. He was delivered over to death for our sins He was raised to life for our justification so that you could be pronounced no punishment for you. That declaration is made on you. The next one you can write is Jesus' blood, Romans 5, 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? The sacrificial lamb was punished, sacrificed, so that you and I could be acquitted and not have any punishment. And his blood cleanses us from our sin so that the punishment is not needed for us. Although it was for him. The next one is the spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. We are justified through his raising to life, and you and I are raised to life through his Spirit as well. And with that new life, the old of sin has been killed and put to death. It doesn't need to be punished anymore. You're raised to a new life, and in the declaration and the pronouncement comes, It needs no punishment. The next one, your actions. Write that one down. James says this, you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by his faith alone. This is where you and I are prevented from taking his death and his resurrection for granted. And this is where you and I play out in our everyday life actions that believe and stand in the truth and trust of everything that he has done. And this is where that little piece of humble pie every morning comes into play, so that my actions then are in accord throughout the day. And part of those actions is therefore just to take up your own cross and be sacrificial for others. One more, baptism. Baptism. Colossians 2.11 says this, you've been buried with him in baptism. That's put to death. So in a sense, we have been punished. Our old self has been buried and put to death with him in baptism, connected to his actual death. And because of that, we're raised through him, through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive 
He also put your old person to death, made you alive into a new person with Christ. Now here's the forensics. He forgave all of your sins. He canceled the written code with its regulations that were against you, opposed to you, stood opposed to you. He took it all away, nailed it to the cross, and put it to death so that you didn't have to die physically for your sin. And through a baptism, we connect to his death get his death on our account, we become dead then ourselves spiritually. So the spiritual man that was dead and sinful has been put to death. It's already been punished. The good news is you and I didn't have to die. Somebody did it for us. Baptism. So faith, grace, Jesus' blood, God, Christ, the Spirit, Actions, baptism, all of them work in tandem for this thing called justification, where it is pronounced that you do not have to be punished. It's through all of these, just as the scripture says that God justifies. All of them are part of the story of justification. So, just as kind of a neat example, let's look at it this way. There's a man. He's standing on the shore of the sea. He sees a shipwrecked crew out in the sea clinging to a portion of the wreck tossed to and fro in the waves. He calls to his son who's also on the shore and he commands his son to go and find a boat, get into it, go out and rescue this crew in the sea. His son obeys, rows out through the waves to the fainting crew, He has the crew get into the boat. He grabs them by the arm, lets them let go of the wreck and get into the boat. And then he asks them to grab an oar and row back to shore. The crew gladly does this. They row back to shore and everybody is saved from imminent death. Several people are also on the shore and they're watching the whole thing. And because it was such a momentous occasion... They are interviewed by the press and they are asked what's happened. Who saved the men on the shipwreck? And some of them say, well, it was the man on the shore that saved them. Some say, well, it was the son who rowed out. Some say they were saved by a boat. Some say they all got together and rowed, beat the waves and came back in. It was the boat that saved them. And some say it was lucky they had a good breeze helping them in. And some say, you know what? If the good Lord wouldn't have been there, they'd all died. Every one of them were right. All of the pieces of that puzzle worked in tandem for the justification, for the survival of those people who were about to die. Same thing with all of the judicial stuff we just went through. It all works Okay, thanks for hanging with me through all of that. You got those written down. You got the verses written down. Now you can go back, put your lawyer hats on, and see all of them at work as you study them this week. All right, so what does it do for me? What does all of these things listed above that cause me to be justified, that cause me to be pardoned, forgiven, sins washed away, and that I get to skirt the punishment? What do all of those things, how do I apply that? How do I run with it? 
How do I make my life different because of those judicial facts? Romans 5.19 says this, for just as through the disobedience of one man, that's Adam, the many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous, declared righteous. Romans 5.10 says this, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? All of this justification came when you and I were OJs. Obviously guilty. And if God's grace comes down and does that for a sinner who doesn't deserve it, now being made new, how much more are we going to be blessed and saved through his life? All right, I'm going to read one more. Now listen to this, okay? It says a lot about you. And those that he predestined, Romans 8.30, predestined. Think of yourself as foreordained. What does that do to you? This idea is this, that God knew before it ever happened before you were ever born, that you would actually choose to love him and try your best to follow him. And so in his predestination, in the foreordination of you, he brought about the calling. I'll read about it in a second. He brought about the justification then and then also the glorification of you. He saw you in advance that you would Choose him. So he brought about all the events, the calling, the bringing him to you, the acceptance on your part of all that he had done. Man, you are foreordained, predestined to follow that path. So he made it happen. He looked ahead into the future and saw that you would make that decision. Good for you. Ben's going to make a decision for me in the future. I'll send my son so that a pathway is made for him to fully take advantage of that situation. I could say you all by name. He did. He saw you all. Before you were even named, you are foreordained. What does that do to you? Those he predestined, he also called. He saw to it that you caught it, heard it. That you were called. Those he called, he also justified. That's everything we've talked about today. And those he justified, he also glorified. That glorifying, I think, is talking more about you going to heaven someday. But certainly, it also applies to our life today. Glorified. Is this the way you talk about yourself when you look in the mirror? If not, let's talk about this more with ourselves. You wrote them down, didn't you? You can study them all week. I know it's a little technical. But the technique had to be there for you to, be, for you to experience all of this. Not only to the technique, but the love, mercy, and grace of God had to be there 
to fully implement the technique that you and I could use to be justified. I think I'm talking to somebody out there. So then Paul says, what then we say about all in response to all of these things? Paul is basically even saying, holy cow, what do we say about all of this? And he says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? God is for you. But it even goes more than that though. God is on your side. Do you speak this way to yourself in the mirror in the morning? He, next verse, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. For it to be implemented and to honor your choosing of him, God spared you, but chose to not even spare his own son, who, by the way, did nothing wrong. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Ha! Who, next verse, will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? Now we're back in court. Who's going to bring a charge against you? Well, it's a rhetorical. There'll be plenty that do, but nothing, everything thrown at the wall, nothing's going to stick. Because, next verse, it's God who justifies. It's God who declares and makes the pronouncement. Who then is the one who condemns? Who's going to condemn you to death? Or jail or probation. Who's the one who condemns? It's a rhetorical. No one is the answer, Paul says. No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. He sits close to God and he's also interceding for us. So whenever there's a danger of God's wrath being meted out to you, Jesus is close enough that he stands in the way of it and takes it. Next verse. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Holy cow. If God did all of this in his love and grace, who's going to separate us from that love? Nobody can condemn you. Nobody can say anything about you. Nothing. Hardship, famine, nakedness, poorness. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Nothing. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? No, in all of those things that you and I could potentially be separated from God in our mind, no, in all of those things, we are what? What are we? Anybody? Conquerors. More than conquerors, Paul says. More than conquerors. More than conquerors through him who loved us. That's the good news as best as I know it, guys. A little technical, but God's just. And when you're just, all of the pieces and all of the bases need to be covered. We got to do this right. But don't get lost in the technicalities. Get lost in his love 
because to be just, he also decided himself to be the justifier and take the punishment. Ow, Paul says, very rarely will you ever find somebody that will die for somebody else. He says, you might get lucky. You might get lucky and find that a man will die for a good man. But God showed his love while we were yet sinners. Didn't deserve it at all. He died for us. That's love. All right. Maybe perhaps lost in all of this. And we just, who's going to bring a charge against us? This is maybe what we have forgotten. The charges against us are true. We are guilty. You are OJ. The charges are true, but they don't stick. So I think you've probably heard it. And I think I've probably even said it. That because of what Jesus has done on the cross and his resurrection, that you and I are declared innocent. That's not really the case. We need to to be right about this. We are not declared innocent. Everybody and their brother and Davy Crockett knows that we are guilty. We are declared not punishable. We are declared righteous, not made righteous. God doesn't all of a sudden zap you and make you perfect. You are declared or pronounced perfect because of what Jesus has said. So that leaves us with that humble pie that we still need to eat every morning. The charges are true. And you and I, just like OJ, get to skip town. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's also important that you and I don't take this lightly. This is why it's called good news. It's great. You are foreordained. God saw your decision put the pieces of the puzzle together for you to take full advantage of this. Now, what's holding you back? Why insecurity? This is a pretty good salve for depression, isn't it? This is adventure. This is winning the game of life. And this is really all that we need to know. Nothing separates us from Christ and his love. Nothing now can send us to hell. And most importantly, there is therefore now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. No more. So you can stop condemning yourself. You can stop being negative to yourself. You can look at yourself through the eyes of love, if not your own personal love for yourself, the love that Christ had for you. This means everything. It means everything. Basing our life on the truth of it will feed your faith. It'll starve your fears. It will bolster your self-regard It'll take away your low self-esteem. It means everything. You are justified. You are declared non-punishable. 
And all of that was because of God's love and his grace. And it was all because he looked into the future and saw that you would make a decision for him. So he put it all together for you. I'm gonna pray right now. And as I pray, I'll give you permission not to pay attention to what I'm gonna say, but for you just to pray yourself and just tell him thanks, okay? God, we do give you thanks. We come to you in a state of appreciation for all that you've done through your son and for all that it means to us. As the God of the universe, you could have done anything. You could have done anything your way. You could have chosen anything you want, but this is, this is where you came. This is where you rested on love. And you did that, God, because you are love. You're wonderful to us, God. We have broken down covenants. We have been dysfunctional in our relationship with you. We have defied you and gone our own way. Lord, none of the charges stick. Let us use that as a motivation to further ourselves, to build ourselves up, and also to do like your son and to take up our cross lay our lives down for others to not spare ourselves but to spare them and just to act in the same love that you gave to us. God, just help us with that. For the truths that we've learned today and been reminded of today, let us put them into action. Live out that life for you because you did it for us. In your name we pray, amen.